Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Ariana, and this is Royal Town Talking, podcast for what's on in Sutton Coalfield. Today, we'll be talking to Andy Streets, West Midlands Mayor. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Ariana. Lovely to be here. So I understand you've had a very interesting career to date with uh, a blue chip retail company and now, of course, with your role as Mayor of West Midlands. Uh, that's true. Well, if you, you're allowed to say it's a blue chip retail company, it always makes me stumble, that type of comment. But uh, yes, so for 30 years, I worked for John Lewis and I worked up from being a trainee on the till the first Christmas to being managing director after 20 years there. And then I spent the last nearly 10 years as the MD. And, you know, it was an enormous privilege to lead what actually is Britain's biggest workers cooperative. So, yeah, uh, and it, it was it was wonderful looking back on it, frankly. I find it amazing that you really did work up from, as you say, that trainee on the tills all the way up to the top. It's quite inspirational, really. Well, I think it says something about John Lewis's HR policies. So through all that time, I sort of felt that there was a guiding hand behind my career. Very old fashioned for companies now to take their mm. trainees and nurture them all the way up. But that's how, how it was. And interestingly, I ran John Lewis, another friend of mine, Mark Price, ran Waitrose. He was a contemporary of mine, came up at the same time and exactly the same for 10 years, led his business. And it really did prove, I think, that the whole approach of the partnership to take their talent internally and develop it was a good thing. So I'm a huge believer in that sort of businesses should nurture their internal talent, really. I completely agree with you. So what was your key driving force in standing for, Mayor? Yeah. So people say, you were mad. You chucked in your job, your salary, everything else and um, for this political world. But uh, of course, the, the underlying point is I am a Brummie uh, through and through. My parents were both Brummies, my grandparents, all four of them Brummies. So it was deeply, deeply in my blood. But obviously, I'd been away in London doing my uh, John Lewis stuff. And I'd uh, returned to the West Midlands, in a sense, in 2011 when these local enterprise partnerships were set up, it was an idea of David Cameron's government to bring a business person alongside universities and local councils to try to grow the regional economy. I'd been asked to come back and chair the Birmingham and Solihull one, and I did that, and I sort of got the bug then from 2011 in this whole sort of thing, could we do better as a region? Because I'd watched and thought, we must be able to do better than we'd done in the 90s, the noughties, so I played my role in the LEPS and then, of course, this role of the mayor was created and it was sort of tantalising. And I was thinking, am I going to go for it? And ultimately, I thought, yeah, I am. I really do believe this place can do better. And perhaps immodestly, I thought that some of the skills I'd learned leading John Lewis may be relevant to this job. And that's why I decided, yeah, let's chuck it in. And of course, no one gave me any chance of winning because um, historically, this whole region has elected Labour politicians. I just thought maybe I can do it. And in the end, we won by just 4,000 in a huge, huge number of voters. 
So Andy, what do you consider to be your key achievements so far? Oh, did you know, that's the hardest question because I don't like being too indulgent about what's happened. So, but so uh, I always say there's a hell of a lot more still to do, but let's call out one or two achievements if, if, you, if you make me. So mm -hmm. the key part of the job is of course about leading the economy of the region and transport, housing, skills. So before the pandemic, I was actually really encouraged by how the economy of the West Midlands was going. We're growing by 25% in five years, fastest growing region outside London, record employment levels. We could see the investment in transport five times per year, per year what it was in 2015. So lots of those things were there. But you know what? I'm sort of prouder of something else, which isn't in the job description, about being the sort of champion for the region, uh, being the person who glues it together, the single figurehead, and I hope that people will say, actually, as the first mayor of the region, he did make something of this job. And actually, he did, he did understand that he had to get out there and shout up for the region, whether it be about winning the Commonwealth Games, whether it be about, about HS2, or whether it be on occasion standing up to the government and saying, that's not in the interest of this region. So actually, the fact that we've been able to do that from the job, that's probably of long-term significance, because I think it's sort of established the role and I do think the West Midlands is better for that, whoever ends up carrying out the role in the future. And you mentioned there um, something that obviously wasn't in the job description per se. Is there anything that you found surprising that you didn't expect to, to maybe happen or for you to need to do as mayor? Yes, I, there is a, perhaps two surprising aspects. The first was about I didn't necessarily expect to have to stand up when I saw intolerance happening. We had the protests outside Birmingham schools over what was called the LGBT teaching. It wasn't really that. It was actually about uh, values teaching. And there was some intolerance showed there. And I did stand up and say, this is wrong. Uh, teachers should be allowed to carry on with that. And I was surprised I had to do it. I'm very pleased I did because I think there was a principle to be defended. And of course, the second example of that was when there were the attacks on the uh, Muslim centres in North Birmingham. Again, I didn't expect it to happen on my watch at all. I think that this is a very inclusive place. Uh, but again, I was glad I was there on the front line and showing solidarity with that group. So those two examples of the same principle of you must stand up for inclusivity, tolerance, all of those things. Uh, I'm glad I did it, but being very straightforward in answering your question, I wasn't expecting to have to do it. So what are your main priorities and next steps for the region? So sadly, the priority after COVID is overwhelmingly clear. I said a moment ago that we were doing pretty well as a region before COVID, but my goodness, we have had one hell of a swipe. Uh, and obviously the health crisis has been the most obvious, but the economic crisis that's following it is oh so clear. The increase in the number of people claiming uh, benefits across the region is 85,000 in one year. It's a huge Gosh. increase, 85,000. So the job of the next mayor is really clear. Who is going to be able to pull everyone together to rebuild our economy and to get jobs for those people who find themselves without opportunities? And that, of course, particularly applies to young people. So that's the single biggest task. And of course, it's why some of you might have seen just recently I launched my jobs plan, uh, talked about 100,000 jobs as the target. It's a huge number. The region's never grown at that sort of rate. We've got near to it some years in the past, 
but we said 100,000 over two years, that's pretty fast. And so achieving that is the overwhelming task. So one of the other priorities is that we continue to make the progress we have around housing. Uh, I have to, again, give reference to Sutton Coldfield here, because uh, when I was just getting ready for my first campaign, there was an enormous campaign called Save Our Fields over the Greenbelt just in Sutton on the sort of warmly uh, part of Sutton. And the campaigners lost the campaign and Birmingham City Council gave planning permission for the Greenbelt to be developed. And it was before my time as mayor, but I looked at it and I thought, this just cannot be right. We're taking huge swathes of Greenbelt on the edge of Sutton. And at the same time, but a few miles away, we've got vast tracts of brownfield land that is not developed. And it can't be right that the people living next door to that brownfield land have derelict sites to look out on communities that aren't being rebuilt. And so I decided on the back of that Sutton experience that we were going to get fully behind a brownfield first policy. And I'm really pleased that over the last few years, we've increased the rate of house building across the West Midlands dramatically. The record numbers almost double the numbers from five years ago, 17,000 homes in the last two years, in each of the last two years, without any incursion on Greenbelt. And I'm utterly determined that that should continue. So my priority is to continue that rate of housing because it really matters for young people. It matters that we're generating affordable homes. We want to move forward on the sort of uh, follow-ups to the help to buy scheme. But at the same time, I want to protect the green belt around places like Sutton because it's so important, not from an environmental point of view, as well as everything else. So very clear that that's another priority for me going forward. That's very commendable um, and I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, good. And you mentioned, um, of course, who, whoever the next mayor may be, the election, I believe, is on the 6th of May. How confident are you that you will be re-elected? I'm assuming that you are going for re-election. I am standing, yes. I, I think there's an important point. It might have been three and a half years, nearly four, actually, before in May. Um, uh, and we've made progress, as I've said, but the job is very, very far from done. So, yes, I am offering myself again. I'm optimistic that the people of the West Midlands will give me another term. But uh, so optimistic, hopeful, determined, all of those words. But only a fool would put any prediction on the election, because what we know in the West Midlands is these elections are absolutely neck and neck. Last time I won by just 4,000 out of 2 million voters. So it's going to be very, very close again. And so, as I say, no predictions at all. Well, I wish you all the best anyhow. Thank you. So one of your big campaigns um, has been your transport plan with the Sutton Park Line being a part of that. How are things proceeding? Uh, so it's a good time to ask that question because um, transport plan, we've talked about a uh, big investment in transport for 2040. And uh, uh, critically, uh, we're expecting news any day of the funding for the Camp Hill line in South Birmingham, the Warsaw-Wolverhampton line in um, uh, the Black Country. But that just gives us even more confidence that having achieved successes, reopened those lines, we must now turn to the next one, which is the Sutton Park line. Mm -hmm. So uh, the reason it's good timing to ask is we're just putting in the bid formally to government under what they call the Restoring the Railways Fund. 
that bid will go in and it will give us a line from uh, Birmingham city centre out through the fort, Castle Bromwich, then up towards Sutton through Warmley that way and then into Sutton and then out through Streetly to Aldridge and Walsall. So a curve through the park. Uh, and the other good news is the first station on that line, Aldridge. We've just bought the land for that. We've done a few feasibility studies. We're going to the next stage. So that will be the first link in that chain. But uh, I expect it to be a real key deliverable of the next mayoral term. So how long, what, what is the timeline for that, uh, uh, getting that, it completed? Yeah, uh, so it's been interesting. If we take the Camp Hill line in South Birmingham, uh, we started doing the work on that as soon as I was elected in 2017. We've now got the agreement. It'll take a couple of years to build. So the full picture there was about six years. It's agonisingly slow. And I would hope that for Sutton, we can do a little better than that, maybe four or five years. But it's that sort of time frame to take it literally from a plan right to an opening. When you've got all the agreements, the timetable agree, the rolling stock stored, all of those things. But that's the, it is definitely a realistic prospect. And take heart for the lines we've already done. Perfect. And I know as well you've been an active supporter of the Sutton Coalfield Town Centre Master Plan. Yes. How is that progressing? Now, the Town Centre really interesting because um, when we did our survey two summers ago, Andrew Mitchell and myself, about issues that really matter in Sutton, this issue came out really, really high on the list of people's concerns. I mean, there's lots that be so, so proud of life in Southern quality of so many things, obviously the park. But there's generally a feeling that the town centre could and should be better for a part of the West Midlands that's got such a sort of proud history. So uh, I'm really pleased that this has been thought about properly. Uh, this isn't about a sticking plaster piece, really thought about properly by the Southern Coalfield Town Council. And then obviously Andrew as your MP, myself as the mayor, have all sort of come together to support this, but full marks to the town council. And what they're talking about is a master plan with a number of key moves as they talk about it, which will be genuinely transformational. So I think that holistic approach, one plan, let's all get behind it, get the different bits of the jigsaw to fit in, gives us a prospect of real improvement. Can you expand on any of those big <laughs> moves or key moves? Yeah, definitely. So one we are directly responsible for is obviously the gateway, as we call it, which is the transport interchange. So that's to make a new uh, major entrance to Sutton Coalfield Railway Station on just on the Brassington Avenue Station roadside, feeding into the town and that become an interchange with the buses. And so a really good quality place to board buses. And of course, it also uh, frees up some of the, uh, the parade. For, for, from bus congestion. So actually, but it, what's so important, it gives an appropriate welcome of style to arriving in Sutton by public transport. Now we do, we've got the agreement to the location of that in the master plan, and we're now doing the design work on that. Critical move, of course, is the housing developments around the town centre to bring people in. Critical move is also, of course, actually the, what they call giving the heart to the town centre as well right at the sort of, right in the middle of the intersection of the parade, so that's important. And of course, in trying to improve the quality of retail around that. So a number of different moves that all come together 
to give a, a much stronger whole is really the point about this. And I understand that you chose Sutton Coalfield for the Cycle Hire Scheme launch. Why did you think that that was the best choice of location? I know this has been a really good story. The Cycle Hire, um, uh, I'm really pleased we've got this off the ground. I don't know if people have seen the docks with the bikes in the middle of the town centre. Uh, and I think they look really great. And the lovely thing is the bikes are made in Stratford-on-Avon or the kits made either in Nuneaton or West Bromwich. So it is a complete made in the West Midlands piece. But to come directly to your question, we wanted a place to trial this where we thought residents would really seize it and the uptake would be great. And uh, we know that residents in Southern get on the feedback. People want to cycle more. They want an active lifestyle. So we thought this would be the perfect place. Perhaps... Uh, launching it in the middle of a pandemic when it was actually snowing on the day we went launch oh, that no. may not have been the best timing but actually there are still good stats around the uptake so I'm really pleased and of course having Sutton Park and the docks there will also make it so very easy for people to take advantage of that wonderful park so that's why we did it. So I guess the pilot has been a success? Yes pilot has been a success and we're actually launching next in Wolverhampton uh, next week and then we will roll out to all boroughs of the West Midlands over the next few months and by July it will be everywhere so thank you to Sutton for going first big thanks to the town council again because they helped us get the pilot off the ground uh, so I'm really pleased we did it first in Sutton. I'm excited to see uh, to see more of them around I think it's super important to to get out both in the fresh air and to do some some exercise to get cycling it's uh, it's really a great thing. And of course, the clean air element of it is so important as well. If we can yes. get anyone to leave their car at home and use the cycle, or of course, the public transport is good. And of course, that's interesting about the interchange um, public transport. That will have really good cycle facilities as well. All the big facilities we're doing across the region always now have good cycling links into them as well. So I've got some little questions that we like to ask um, as a bit of our signature, I guess. So yeah. I suppose one, one of the things that is always interesting for me, especially um, with things that have been going on in the pandemic, is to know what the biggest surprise you might have had in the last few months was and why. The biggest surprise? Oh, my goodness. I need to think about that one. Hang on. Um, that's, the, the question, uh, that's the question I've not thought about. Um, uh, well, mine is how disruptive my cat can be on video calls. <laughs> I didn't realise quite how uh, how noisy my cats were until I start being recorded. I know then, yeah, okay, that, <laughs> that's easy. I, you went to personal one, okay, yeah, okay, I can do that. Uh, so my biggest surprise, uh, that I've quite enjoyed cooking for myself every evening. Um, this is an appalling reflection, but living right in the middle of the city centre, I, uh, I, I used to love going out to an event every evening uh, and nine times out of ten it would involve something to eat or just going with friends to a restaurant and you know the thought of cooking every night for yourself for hundreds of days upon hundreds of days uh, back last March I thought I can't imagine it um, but actually you know what I've quite enjoyed it um, and I do, do make myself do it every night proper scratch cooking and it's really quite therapeutic so that's been my personal surprise of it all really. Oh well done what's on the menu tonight then? What's on the menu tonight? Salmon, guacamole and, uh, and oh, I don't know, some fruit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that 
that's good i mean yeah. it, it could be a professional thing if there is something you want to say in terms of surprises but i think no, that's great no, i think i think that personal thing is probably better actually yeah, you, I agree. you can have that yeah it's interesting yeah. do you remember what the first record you bought was yes i do uh, uh and this is going to give my age away of course uh, but everyone knows that anyway the first record i bought and this probably won't surprise you given my age was in 1974, and it was, of course, the Eurovision winner that year, Abba Waterloo. So that was the thing. Uh, and of course, I was not alone in buying that record. It was top of the charts for what, well, not ever, frankly. So, yeah. yeah. Are you a Eurovision fan? No, not really. <laughs> Not really at all. Um, uh, the sort of idea of the Eurovision party, I don't get that at all. But when you're 11, this, 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 was, this was an event, this was. So, uh, yeah, and I remember where I went to buy it as well. Our, our, a, a chain that went bust years ago, Our Price in Solihull. So there we are. <laughs> oh, well, I don't remember Our Price. But then I wasn't in the West Midlands at uh, when I was younger, so. <laughs> I think it might have been a West Midlands chain. I don't know. Yeah. And go on, last one for me then. Do you have a secret skill or a party trick? A secret skill? Uh, uh, oh, my goodness, I haven't prepared that either. Uh, um, no is the answer to that. No, <laughs> okay. no, secret, no secret skills at all. No. <laughs> oh, God. I suppose the party trick is I love organising parties. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, not not huge mass events for, for hundreds of people but yeah i i'm a great one of sort of throwing the house open and saying come on let's have a little get together so my secret party trick has probably been the one who brings the people together in that way and before you know it you'll be hosting dinner parties of all the cooking practice <laughs> i haven't done that and i see that's the interesting thing maybe this is the secret although i hate hated cooking for myself i did used to love nothing more than inviting friends around for dinner and having a big having a big meal and do sort of and I used to, a period actually I did catering for a group of youngsters literally in a field in Wales so if you ask me to make sandwiches for sixty people against the clock I can do it but uh, I would no way have wished to do uh, cooking for myself all the time so that's my surprise the last few weeks that works I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Andy, thank you ever so much for, for joining us and letting us know Good. about all the plans. Good. Um, yeah, I wish you well, of course, for the forthcoming thank elections you. and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to speak again soon. I would love to do it again whenever you want. You Join me next time when I'll be chatting to Helen Stuttard, who will be telling us about the importance of good skincare and some interesting insights into what we should be doing. I can't wait. I feel like I probably need to learn something from her. And finally, to all our listeners, Thank you for listening and please leave a review, good or bad. It's the only way we can find out if you are enjoying the content. And until next time, stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. Take care. Goodbye. This is a four-pause production for What's On It's and Culture.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.